Hello guys, welcome to the podcast. We have a conversation here with the great people, musicians. They're gonna share their wisdom, their stories, and more. So get comfortable, prepare some snacks, and enjoy. Local music heroes. Hello, Randy. So um, we're going straight to questions right away. So um, we know each other like, I don't know, five, four years? Somewhere around it's there, been, yeah. It's, it's been a while. Yeah. Since how was this year? So how how the, how how COVID changed you like music lifestyle? Oh. I know it's kind of like pretty painful topic, but... Yeah, but that's okay. It's part of life right now. You know, uh, COVID turned my music world upside down made it no longer exist basically you know for a bit um because we couldn't go anywhere i was freaked out i thought i had covid turns out it was like a fucking sinus infection thing that i was getting um and so i was kind of like i kind of freaked out a little bit but before that i was you know my only uh my only income was from music, was from uh, playing in bars, you know, as Naughty Pine or as me, Barefoot Randy, as a solo artist. And we just, that's that was what I did for me, money and social media too, uh, for a couple places, for a music venue and their entertainment and stuff like that. But I didn't get to do it. So it definitely changed it a whole lot, uh, the music aspect of my life. And for a bit, I freaked out. I was just like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Just sat in this basement forever and was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so what's what's your like, what are you working on right now? So what's your pro- like current project? Uh, musically, current project is uh, Barefoot Randy. You know, I'm uh, moving away from uh, releasing music as Naughty Pine, um, just because over the years, I've always actually from the beginning I wanted to release music as Naughty Pine, and I originally did that too uh appease to one of the members of the band who didn't quite want to be barefoot randy and he had the name naughty pine and so that's what i'm going to be working on now is is moving toward that releasing music that's more that's what i'm going to be working on now releasing music that's more uh written from the perspective of barefoot randy and not uh barefoot randy trying to be in a band with somebody else you know more music that's really truly from my heart granted i do love other people's opinions and things like that because it always makes music better to have more than one person and stuff like that but really like yeah putting that out there and getting back to yeah me barefoot randy man <laughs> you know <laughs> so yeah. how how you start with nani pie oh how, how the, the band was created well we we started it was wes and i um well at first it was just me barefoot randy and i was writing songs and playing playing songs um but i played this event called bands for bernie at the emerald it was the first time i ever played at the emerald too um and wes had seen me there he was there with his girlfriend who i had 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 class with um back in in college and uh he was like he hit me he he was like yo i heard you play that bob marley song and like your song hot damn kind of sounded like reggae style i used to play in this reggae band fishbowl would you want to like jam together and i was like yeah sure man you know that'd be cool and it took a while for me to actually do it because i'm not like especially back then i wasn't that great of a jammer you know now i'm like okay and i can kind of hold my own in a jam playing rhythm guitar but back then it was like extra hard for me because i so how many years ago it was like five five years ago 2016 yeah 2016 yeah. yeah so around five years ago yeah or four years ago 
I guess. So like you and Wes and then Kyle and... Yeah, uh, and then Wes and I were playing together just as a duo for a bit and we had put the energy out there. We need a drummer and uh, Kyle, we met Kyle through the Emerald, uh, at the Emerald and um, he was doing sound for me a solo show that I had and that night it was also Wes's. I had three shows that day. Um, busy Ky time, huh? Yeah, it was a busy time, <laughs> man. The de uh, part something for the Democrats and Tri Cities, and then something at the Emerald, the three-hour show, and then our first Naughty Pine. But we weren't actually Naughty Pine yet. Um, it was still Barefoot Randy and Wheezy Pipes, uh, and and we played that. And I was, we were like, Kyle, you should come by and check it out, you know. And he's like, I don't know, you know, it's hard to find people who are like serious about bands and stuff, you know. It's hard to get me. I don't know, I don't know. And we kept kind of bugging him. And weren't able to make it happen the first couple of times of practice and trying to jam together, but then we made it happen. And uh, Kyle was just like kind of that spark that we needed because he had already done, he did all the work to become a touring band before, you know, he knows what it takes and how to get there. And so he was kind of like a guider, you know, so that's kind of, and then, you know you know and what's then we met me? Neezer, what? Uh, uh, I was reading about the, the Beatles story, how they started. So the like Paul McCartney and John Lennon they and uh, the Harrison so they play three of them and mm -hmm. they don't have a drummer and they barely just know like two three chords yeah and they're like damn we need a drummer or something <laughs> and that was like a cool guy like in the venue yeah. like he played with a lot of bands he was like badass drummer yeah he that dressed nice just, everyone's like oh it's a Rigo you know yeah and he like can you play with us and so he like nah whatever so they have canceled his band so he want to play with them and yeah. he started playing the Ray Charles like what I say or something this is a kind of tricky song to play on drums right. yeah. And I, I remember the Paul McCartney saying, they look into the lane and like, fuck, that's... This that, is our guy. That's, that's yeah. dude. That's and cool. Which is like, they just like feeling it. And it's just like, remind me, because it's kind yeah. of it's like similar story. Similar story, man. You know, and, and, and then we found Neezer because um, we were playing together as a trio for a while. And, and Neezer, you know, he's from Africa. He's Ghanaian. And this was about a year in. Um, that we had, that we met Neezer maybe eight months to a year in, and he came to one of our shows at the Emerald, and he was like, "I like what you guys are doing, man." And Wes was like, "Yeah, you should come out to the jam night and blah 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 blah." And I saw him play some songs, and I was like, "All right, that's the guy we need." And and then that was that was it for Naughty Pine, minus like the couple horn players that we had, but yeah, that was the core group for the bit. So and then how how they how they go? So like you start playing, yeah, and oh, then. Oh, so yeah, so I started playing and I realized like in order to keep people interested, you know, you have to be making money, you know, and so it was <laughs> like I had, I started playing, I was playing solo shows because that's what I wanted to do for money. I, I dropped out of school, dropped out of college and I was like, fuck the world, I'm going to play music, you know, and anyway, uh, and and so I was already trying to make money. So then I was like, all right, cool. Well, in order to get this guy on here, I have to be able to share my money with him. And so then it was kind of like that. And then I started sharing the shows with Wes. And then Kyle, when Kyle jumped on, it was like, okay, now we can play like real shows. You know, we don't have to play like just like dinner shows or shows like in the back of the bar or whatever. We can go play like a real show with the Emerald or we can go, you know, like do something real. And so then that's when we started to move toward uh, real shows. And I remember our first show was like, uh, January 28th with a band with a couple bands it was the first show that I set up we had a, a cannabis company sponsored us with you know they're good friends now still to this day they're they're really cool and um and yeah from then it was just like we were like all right are we gonna do this 
yeah, we're going to do this. And I booked as many shows as we could play, man. So you do the all advertising for, for a band and all that stuff? So all the social media? Yeah, mostly. So at first it was like West did a lot, did uh, the um, the graphic design and the logos and all that and like our posters, but it was me behind all of the social media posts and the advertising and the reaching out to people and the, and the booking the go and the booking the shows and, and organizing that kind of stuff, organizing the tours. Um, By the yeah. way, how long does it take like from the first, when you got with West together and then when you went on the first tour? So how long does tour. it take? Our first tour was in, I think we left in May of 2018. So like two so years? So a year and a half. Year and a half? Yeah, because we started in December, or Wes and I started playing in August. Oops. Wes and I started playing in August of 2016 together. Mm -hmm. Kyle jumped on December 2016, and then by... May. May of 2018, yeah. That's when our first tour was. It, what it was? It was just... Northwest. Northwest. We went, uh, oh, we did a week. We did two weekends. One from, we started here, went to, oh man, Idaho. We looped our way around Oregon and Idaho. Um, so we went out, like, toward the coast in Oregon from here, Tri-Cities, you know, which is going west. And then we came back all the way over to Boise and then came back around. So it was like just a big northwest kind of loop. I can't remember the exact dates yeah. they were, but yeah, that was, that was fun, man. We were like, fuck yeah, you know, we had a little bit of, I think we had a little bit of a scuffle or a tip. No, that wasn't until the second tour. Um, we had, actually, the first tour went pretty well. We made money, you know, we, we didn't lose money. We actually like came home with more money than yeah it was great and so it was it was any crazy stories happened there from that particular tour or just in general do you remember anything oh, like a yeah we have got all kinds of crazy stories you know we went from the fifth you know we've we had five whole tours but we would always manage to find like the craziest people like that was kind of something that just no matter where we went there was somebody who was always like kind of a nutbag that would end up talking to us most of the time it was because i was trying to be nice and be like hey what's up hi you know how you doing <laughs> we have a show and they're like blah, 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 the, the circle of fifths is really not the circle of fifths and you have to go around and like that happened to us actually in that tour in hood river we were in hood river that was our first show of the tour and like this dude fucking comes up to us and i'm like in the van you know changing and stuff uh i had i don't live in the van at this point it's like right before i moved into the van um but i was in the van and like or we were next to the van and this guy's like he's got long hair looks like a normal dude and i'm like yeah hey what's up man we're playing a show right over here and he's like yeah i came up with this whole thing about how the circle of fits is not really accurate and blah 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 if you just shift it over and da, 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 and they're sitting there talking to him like you know and i'm like all right peace out and i just turned around and got in the van and like shut him out you know and like that was kind of something that we would do to each other too is like when when crazy situations or people would happen it's probably not the best thing now like you want to have each other's back at a certain point but we would just be like well i'm done with this situation because you know you're like when you're on the road it's there's so many people we we got uh stiffed one time that on this same tour we got stiffed or not stiffed they told us that we were over the phone that we were going to get 300 bucks and turns out we were only going to get 120 
And so like afterward, Wes was like, man, I was, I was hitting on this girl at the bar. I had already dealt with the bar manager. Like, you're not going to give us the money. And he was like, no, I was like, well, whatever, dude turned around and I was hitting on a girl at the bar and it probably would have turned out pretty good. <laughs> and then this dude comes up to me that we know this was in Portland, but we knew him and he comes, he's like, you, you guys better leave. Like you got to get going. I'm like, what? This is about to work. Like, what are you doing? Like, I'm about to go home with this girl. Like, come on, man. He's like, no, you better go get going. Wes is stealing all their shit. And I was like, wait, what? I was like, all right. So we dipped out. And then it turns out Wes stole nothing that was theirs. He thought he was stealing everything that was theirs, but really he was pick packing up our cables and shit, you know? And so it was just like, <laughs> we ended up with this like little tiny tape recorder from them and that was it, you know? And I think I, we still have it somewhere at the school or something. Yeah. It's from those guys who didn't pay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, and that didn't happen very often for us. Um, the way we handled that when that happened. The next time that that happened, somebody was like, the deal was we were supposed to get 350. He's like, well, there wasn't that many people here tonight and you worked with somebody else and blah, 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 blah. And you're only getting 250. And I was like, well, usually when that happens, we don't play at the venue again. And he was like, well, I'm going to go get my money. And he went and grabbed his money and we still didn't play there again. But By the way, how do people um, react on reggae music in the Northwest? They like it, surprisingly, you know. I think it's funny, a lot of, you know. Is I it mean, still, like, we're popular? Yeah, we're general. What it does in the Northwest for a lot of the uh, people that we get to play for is remind them of when they go on vacation to the Caribbean. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, that reminds me of when I went to the Cayman Islands. You know, it's like, all right, cool, you know. But that's that's cool. It's funny. They love it, though. A lot of people love us. And they love it, and and um, you wouldn't think that they do. Certain people, you know, because like the idealism behind reggae and really what a lot about what we're singing about or what I was singing about wasn't doesn't quite match up with what a lot of people may think. But they hear the island vibes and they're like, "Yeah, island of weed, cool." <laughs> it's like, all right, whatever, man. That's cool. So. Yeah, it, we we were definitely received super well. I think too. I'm a white dude, you know. I'm a white dude singing reggae. I think if it was if like Neezer was the front man, it would have been a little different, you know. Like, uh, and that's just the reality of we live in America. But um, so yeah, I think we were pretty well accepted across the Northwest and and in like California too. When we went down to California, people loved us down there. You know, California is the is the haven for white reggae you know so like so people really dug it down there uh the whole we played in long beach california and uh twice and those were two of our best shows that we had ever played long beach is where sublime is from so white boy reggae capital of the world um and is the same venue with the like a stephen marley play like no day before? no yeah we played there the day before yeah we played there the same venue that stephen marley played and that was just like happened to be because we knew a couple people down there and they were like well you should oh and i was like oh cool we got that gig awesome yeah he played the night before like stephen marley played i forgot about that yeah he played the night before that we played at the same venue so like the sound i was like standing in the same spot he probably stood in and shit and it was like yeah this is cool and i was like well, so close i can smell the weed man um but yeah no that one but the then the next day we played at uh this place called pike bar in long beach and it happened to be owned by the original drummer of social distortion and he was like you guys are fucking awesome like you got to come back down and blah 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 and then uh yeah and it was so it was 
pretty super dope. Awesome. So how was the, um, I know the, how you start playing music. Uh, that was a pretty crazy story. Can you share that with us? Like, tell us how, how, why did you start play reggae? And why did you start playing music? Well, just music in general. It, I was, you know, I wasn't like, I, I would have, wasn't trained as a child to play music and my parents weren't super like, yeah, you know, let's get you guitar lessons and stuff like that. So I always had a guitar around and I loved music and I've been a lover of music my entire life. And like, I built skills around the guitar, but I never felt the like confidence or need to be like, oh, let me try and write a song or let me try and like sing a song. You know, I never had that. But then a few years ago, six years ago or so, I was dating this girl and I started to write poetry and uh, her mom was super supportive and like saw it was a beautiful woman, you know, like angel on this earth kind of person that that sees things. It kind of helps and nudges and directions and stuff like that. It's amazing. My life has been full of those kind of people. Um, but they bought me a guitar um, and I had started writing lyrics. You know, I had started writing like poetry and things like that. And it just came around and I started to learn to play and sing together. You know, and I was like, oh, wow, I can, I can play and sing and I can write these words and these are actually kind of cool words. Maybe I can figure out how to put a song together. And after a while I put together songs and, um, yeah. And that's like how it came together, like in the physical world, but in the, in the not physical world, it seemed like, like, and, and what pointed me in the direction of reggae was at my birthday and people are like, yeah, you're crazy. But I'm like, yeah, fucking, I know it's all right. <laughs> but like, so I was born on May 11th. Uh, of 91 and Bob Marley died on May 11th of 81 and I was like oh man that's got to mean something maybe I should play reggae you know or maybe I should explore more into Bob Marley's like catalog and stuff like that and then like also at with that kind of developing in the back of my head you know that's not like a forefront like let me think about that every day that's like a in the back of my head something that that kind of drives um but I just realized I started to write lyrics that kind of tilted more toward reggae, more toward, you know, at that time it was like more toward like Jack Johnson vibe of, of songs, mm -hmm. you know, which had reggae influence and not maybe necessarily exactly reggae, but you can tell it's like island music. Um, and so that's where I kind of started to morph into that. And then when I really decided that I wanted to play reggae was when there was a band um, that came through the Emerald and they were talking about Ja Rastafari and all the things and like, ah, da, da, da. and then she's all drunk on stage. And, uh, then their, their bass player knocked out their manager in front of the door. And I was like, people are fucking up reggae, man. And I was like, that's it. And that was the moment. And then I messaged Wes after that. And I was like, Wes, we, we, I'm ready to play with you, man. Like, let's do this. And like, or, or. I had posted a song that I wrote about that and he posted on there, oh, that sounds like this song, Man No Sober by uh, uh, Steel Pulse. And when we did that, when he did that, that was the like real spark that like brought us together was that, uh, was that band. Because I was like, I got to do it right. You know, these people are out there fucking up reggae and making us look bad. And I'm like, I got, it was some weird overzealous kind of. Is it, is it because I thought there was, uh, you have like some like life uh, change. You like dropped the university and oh. then music was escape. That's what I thought. It was a kind of a. Well, actually, yeah, no. 
Yeah, I guess I'm kind of ignoring a whole part of the story <laughs> there, too. <laughs> um, which, yeah, I did. My life fell apart, you know, in that process of my girlfriend buying me the guitar and whatever. I had asked her to marry me, and, and uh, she said yes, reluctantly. And then uh, we decided eight months later that it probably was best if we didn't continue the relationship, you know. And so that's heartbreaking just in itself. You know, that moment right there is heartbreaking in itself. Then then the next, within three weeks, my entire life fell apart as far as like my family, my mom and my stepdad, who weren't very nice people growing up. I'll just leave it at that. I, I expressed all my grievances about them and then it just blew up and everything blew up and in a really terrible way to where I didn't, I still don't, I won't ever talk to my stepdad again. And like my mom and I are very on low speaking terms still, you know, and that was five years ago. Um, and so that really like sent me into this mode of heartbreak and I was going to, to the university, um, to WSU, Washington State University. And I was going for engineering or, or environmental science. And I was doing really well in that path, in that path. But then my life just at that moment just really started to blow up. And I tried to keep continuing on with school for about another year, but I couldn't handle it. I was just like my outside, my life was just like falling apart. And I was like, well, fuck it. I, school sucks. I'm getting into debt. Like I can't concentrate because I'm like on the verge of suicide. You know, what What am I going to do? And also I remember like in music. the university you mentioned then the uh, – the project what you're working on for a lot of years it just like yeah. at the same time it's just like oh nobody needs it yeah and you're like fuck so i'm doing all this year and it's nobody yeah, needs it exactly it was and uh, everything's falling apart kind of in the same moment yeah, yeah water use yeah exactly water use efficiency at a vineyard was my project and i was like yes i can help so many people with this like we can you know make water more available or at least like less scarce right with this technology and uh but it got screwed over by the politics of uh things that happen in the academic world um and that just happens a lot of the times and i couldn't handle it with like my family falling apart and then everything else falling apart and like my life seemingly falling apart and then that piece that was holding me on to that piece of hope like yes i'm gonna change the world through water you know and it was like that just kind of disappeared and and really killed a lot of my hope and motivation but music was there to save me from that in a sense you know in a sense in that moment you know i still have to deal with those issues that are behind because even though i went on to music those same issues that were that bothered me then are still bothering me now you know what i mean like and it's it's like a whole it's a whole thing it wasn't necessarily the career that was doing it it was just the person within that was trying to do it you know and so but it definitely did and like i was like I'm going to play music. Fuck this. Fuck you guys. Fuck the world. Uh, I'm going to play music and I'm going to do the thing and I'm going to get famous. <laughs> <laughs> and how's the songwriting go? So, so basically when you got the guitar, you started, start to like try to write songs. Yeah. And so how, how, how is development is going? So how, where did you find this song or songs find you? So how, it, how usually you write, how you usually write the songs? Through emotions. It, it, my guitar became the way that I processed my emotions. You know, the emotions that I couldn't quite handle in my head and couldn't logically think out from what I experienced as a child that were still messing me up and all the things that were in the back of my head. So that's what I could just transfer it. It was like this weird thing that I could do where I could just play, sit and play for hours and my feelings would come out and then 
I'd get a melody line that would fit with words and it would kind of work. And that's kind of how it started really was like, it was almost like a journal for me, you know? And it was like, I feel like this journal could, you know, other people might relate to it kind of thing. But yeah, that's, it all starts from, a, from an emotion. Still kind of the same approach. Still kind of the same way, you know, that's just how I write music. You know, it's for me, music and is, is an expression of how I'm directly feeling in the moment. Whereas like somebody that I really listen to and look up to like Trevor Hall, the way that he writes music is how he would like to see it in the future, right? Instead of like the direct experience of what he's experiencing right now, what he wants to see, you know? So, so it's just, yeah, it's different. You know, my, I'm more directly right here, what I'm feeling right now, the emotion, you know? And it's uh, usually, do you have, so for instance, if you have an, like in a good mood and you're like, mm, I'm going to write the song. Oh, it's usually like something yeah, like opposite. I think it's more opposite more of the time. You know, a lot of the times when I go to sit down and write a song, well, in the past, in the last year or so, it's been changing a bit. Um, so can you force yourself as a, like a, as a, you know, when you practice the mind muscle, I don't know how you call that, like yeah. writing. Yeah. So can you just sit and just like, okay, so I have this thing I need going on and I need to write a song right now. So is it, is it, or is it sometimes, or is it just... Uh, sometimes I can, you know, it depends really if the feeling's strong enough, you know, to want to, or if I want to sit down and exercise, I'm not the most disciplined person when it comes down to like sitting down <laughs> and exercising my mind and be like, let me write out the song. Um, but I, I'm trying to be more, you know, but yeah, it more comes like directly. Yeah. From that emotion. But when I do try and sit down and write a song, I can, you know, like if I just like sit down and I'm like, all right, let's, let's like, you know, write a catchy song, catchy tune or something, you know? Um, but that's where it like helps to have more people, you know, like when I'm writing a song, it's more from the emotion. But like, if I'm like, you know, like when it was Naughty Pine, when it was Naughty Pine a little bit, you know, Wes would like bring a bass line and then I'd be like, okay, let me, it's not so much from my emotion. Yeah, so you have an then, idea and then you kind yeah. of express what you feel about that idea. Yeah, exactly. You know, Have you read the, like a super fast, like you just like boom and just like. Oh yeah. There's been a couple of songs that have been like that, you know, where it's just done quickly off the top of my head. I can't really think of which ones they are, but yeah. Um, there definitely has been some songs where it's just like, bam. And then there's other ones where it's like, three months go by you know yeah, or like still. fuck just the other day man i had uh i have these lyrics from a song that i've had for like three years it's just the chorus like why i i, I won't you love me won't you love me i had that you know just and then i wrote some lyrics the other day that like go along perfectly and i made them you know and that was from like three years ago you know it's like wow that's crazy two or three years ago whatever it was but so yeah, but those the fast ones are fun when you can just sit down and then it doesn't bug you, you know. And it's like, also it's like a quick result, you know. It's yeah, just like, get it up. Wow, it yeah. feels it feels great. It feels great, man. You're like yes. And I have similar one. I have uh, I wrote the, like a uh, like a little verse, and I just don't know the course and nothing. It just was a little verse for yeah. like two or three years. Yeah. <laughs> and then one day in ten minutes, I just wrote hold a song, hold a song, and there was the the. That was a third verse. Oh, really? Like, perfectly sitting perfect. in there. And I'm like, here you go. <laughs> yeah. That's that subconscious brain working on it the entire time. <laughs> it's like, how can I write this into a song? No. Yeah. No, it's cool. That's cool. It is. It's fun, man. And songwriting is so fun. And, and there was one moment, though, that kind of goes along 
with what you were asking where it's like a positive song or not maybe a negative song i was having a negative emotion and i just posted about it on instagram not too long ago um but it was like i was having we came back from our third tour we went down to california for the first time everything was going good right it was like yeah fuck yeah we're doing the thing and like we're you know but i had just broken up with nicole at that time you know right before that tour and then i was homeless living in the van or living in that jam spot you know out of the van and it was like i came home from this tour and i was like fucking a dude what is this life this shit sucks man i'm like sitting <laughs> sleeping on the floor at a fucking drum shack and i'm you know don't have a girlfriend like I, she was uh, you know she was a good match but not quite perfect and i realize that now but in the time you're going through it you're like no and so it was just like but i i sat down and i had that really terrible feeling but i wrote a positive song you know it was like i wrote a song about like nothing compares to the feeling of going on tour you know and it like it might be hard i might be broke or whatever but it's still fun as fuck you know and it's like more positive like i guess if you think about it really deeply the the meaning behind that song is a little bit negative almost but not at the same time it was like positive and that was a cool moment i was like wow i could write positive music what because <laughs> uh, that yeah I'm a, you know music is uh, for me music is suffering and a way to express that suffering or and a way to free ourselves almost from that suffering you know but that's not what it is for everybody gotcha yeah. uh so let's go, move to the next topic it's uh it's gem nights. So how did you, um, so you've been, uh, uh, running the open mic for a lot of years before this fucking COVID hit. <laughs> before COVID hit. Yeah. Um, so how did you start going on gem nights before you even opened? It was the so, first place that I ever played music. Like was Von in Jensen's, front of people? Yep. Von Jensen's open mic night at the Emerald of Siam on 420. It was the first time I ever stepped on stage in 2015. I, I played at that, at his, uh yeah and uh at the open mic night that i ended up hosting years later it's the same open mic night um i started there and kind of would go there and then he had like five different jam nights at that time that he would do around town so i'd follow him around all his different jam nights just so different up, days and stuff yeah soaking up all his information you know vaughn loved to talk about his experience and his life and and so like i would sit and listen and we'd be smoking weed and he'd be just giving me all this knowledge you know and i'd just soak it up like a sponge and um then after following him around for a while um duncan price rest in peace um he he gave me my first uh open mic night he had an open mic night at paper street um and he was like i can't do it you want it it's too it's not enough money for me and i was like yeah all right it was on a tuesday night paper I would, street, where it is? uh so you know the parkway in the middle of richland like where uh frost me sweet is it's not that far from the from the uptown from the whiskey river yeah, right. It's like right, right up the corner where mm -hmm. all the that little shopping center right there or whatever mm -hmm. with the tr the fake tree in the middle. Mm -hmm. It was in there where Foodies Two is. You know, Foodies Two. Yeah, that, right that building. So uh, we would set up right there and uh, do a little open mic night, and and then after that, kind of somebody kind of. Uh, I wouldn't say snaked it away from me, but they kind of did, you know. But it was kind of. Also a good thing that I didn't need to be doing it every week, 
a, a Tuesday night is not fucking does not keep your electricity on, you know, and shit <laughs> like that. Like as much as you want to be gung ho about the music, but anyway, I did it and it was fun. Uh, but I then uh, randomly. Well, you know, John and the whole business part, my business partner was hosting the open mic night and then he fell off of the scene um, and stopped being involved in all the music stuff. Um, and I took over the spot at the open mic night at the Emerald and that was like two and a half years into me, like after me starting there at the Emerald, you know, and following Vaughn around and, you know, so, um, and then that became a way that I could pay for us to go places right you know like i could we could pay our gas and then not have to pay not have to take any money out of what we're getting paid um and so that's what the the open mic night was um and then we started a couple other jam nights you remember the one out at uh fucking with duncan that we did on on thursdays at that one bar uh, which one uh, now it's the dugout or whatever right by oh, the yeah, park yeah yeah, yeah yeah you know we did that jam night for a while yeah that wasn't for a couple of months or yeah so. just a couple of months and then that... that was just the people was different yeah and the environment like vibe was different it and was we just like feels yeah. like it not fit in there even mm. though like great musicians come in yeah right great musicians great venue but not necessarily the crowd that we were yeah. looking for to entertain and um that's okay you know those things happen we learn move on and then lazy river happened and our friends opened up lazy river and that became that jam night and that was getting to be really really a lot of fun and and like you know that was that was getting to be a lot of fun. It's still hard, man. Doing anything weekly live music is fucking difficult. And if there's any musicians out there who are doing the weekly shit, it is so hard. And I understand. <laughs> and you know, keep keep it up because it's fun for the community, though. So, you know, yeah, those Lazy River was fun. That was, mm -hmm. uh, even though it kind of looks not really as a venue, you just yeah. come there and you're like, ah, oh, it doesn't feel right. But then the first 20 minutes and you like wow yeah it's like whoa what is this dude this is so much fun so many musicians and and that's so many awesome musicians come there and i remember when i go there like i would rather just not play i would just rather just listen just sit and listen drink right? beer and listen because it was like awesome there was even a lot of people who like from texas or different places yeah. they stop by and they just play and just yeah. jump in yeah even a small corner, but there was like so much, so much music magic. in there. Yeah. yeah, it's a magical little corner. It is. It you know? is. <laughs> like, yeah. So, why do you think Gemini's is important for musicians and for community? Because it gives people an opportunity to play who aren't out there playing every, you know, like like me in that sense. I was out playing music in front of people, getting stage time. Every Friday, every Saturday, you know, most most days of the week or whatever. And so it, for the community, they give it gives an opportunity for anybody to go out and jam and play and, and get their get their chops up or whatever to where maybe they can go start a band or maybe they can go be a singer songwriter. Or they can do, you know, it's it's a good place for people to just build their skills, first of all. And then second of all, you know, it's a place where we can socialize, which we are all understanding now how important it is to socialize, you know, having been in this pandemic for so long. And, and that's, that's a really important piece of it too, is, is the socialization and just, and like music is like, really like if you can help people feel good through music, then you're doing, doing something good. Right. You know? And that, so it's, it, it is important, but not in a, you know, not, 
I don't know if I could say that, but it just, it's kind of a defeating purpose almost. You feel defeated a lot of the times because it's like you're competing with people's YouTube or you're competing with their TVs and their whatever it is at their homes that makes them want to stay there and listen to whatever music they want. You know, so it's like in this world where, yeah, it's anyway, it's, it's hard. It's almost, but it's super important for the community to have that just place where you can go and play live music because if it wasn't for those places like that, there wouldn't be real big music in the first place, you know? Like if there wasn't a place for musicians to get together and psh, do their thing, we wouldn't have awesome bands, you know, or we wouldn't, yeah, so super important. I see. So what kind of... Um... I know uh, that mistakes are part of life in, in music business and the music career. Uh, but what kind of advice would we would you give for or next generation or even for people who want to be a musician? What kind of advice would you give them and uh, what mistakes they should avoid? I'd say, uh, you know, figure out, like from my perspective, figure out a way... Um, that you can keep, keep the passion, you know, figure out a way to not kill the passion because I figured out with trying to make it my career, you know, and trying to be like giving a whole year just to trying to play music to make my money and my voice getting super sore and like, you know, I may be hurting myself more than I'm helping myself by playing that much. And trying to make money off of music just for the pride of saying that I'm making money off of music and music only. It was almost like that, you know. But there was a lot of other things that I needed to work through in that time too. But like really being able to play, keep the passion in it. Because when I was, like it was sucking the passion out of it. Especially when things didn't work out in the end. Like if a band member drama or whatever happened, you know. And then I'm like, this is the only way I'm making money, you know. And it just, yeah, you know, keep, keep the balance. Cause obviously I would still love to be a musician and make money solely off of playing music. Right. Like that's, that would be awesome. Or make a huge chunk of change off of playing music and be an entrepreneur in other ways, you know? Um, but yeah, figure out a way to keep the passion in it. Cause I lived in a van and I did the thing and I would not change any of that. Cause I needed that personally. Uh, for things outside of music but man figure out a way to 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 not make it only about money you know make sure you're not picking up your instrument the only time you're ever picking up your instrument is to make money because that's what it ended up turning out to for me you know and it took a lot of that creative passion away and what mistakes you think they can avoid well mistakes hmm Yeah, that one. <laughs> no, you know, well, you know, make sure, make sure that you're comfortable. Um, make sure that you're comfortable. Don't, you know, make sure that, oh, here's a good one. Make sure you got it in writing what the venue owner says. That's a great one. So, you know, hey, you said right here, you're going to give me $400 and you're trying to screw me. You know, contracts are super important. They're hard. Um Another like mistakes is like, I think a big mistake that I made is not putting enough music out really. Like I'm five years into a music career and five songs that you can really truly find that are like mine, you know? And it's like, I think that was one of my bigger mistakes was not planning, 
planning how to put out my music as much and just expecting it to be like somebody's gonna see us and be like oh let me give you a hundred thousand dollars to like you know it's like it takes a lot more planning granted i did a whole lot of planning um in certain ways and like the touring and all that other stuff but i think i we really could have done a better job of getting ourselves out there through video content and and music content just in general um like on on all the platforms and stuff like that and i really think we could have done a better job of uh being well-rounded right we were we Mm -hmm. killed it in the touring round like we were the hardest tours that came out of tri-cities within the last five years i feel like you know and that was awesome but if we would have been able to pair that with like say karma and his all of his music videos that were fucking super dope and like you know it's like we if we could have paired it you know and like same with him i feel like he could have paired touring a lot more but it's so hard when you're just a fucking when you're when you're independent you know to really know where to put that energy but yeah i think just as important as touring is it is important to put out your music to put out the music and that's just don't scare to put it out yeah yeah because i know a lot of even myself i know a lot of people who just think it's my not good enough and i find a really cool dude he said uh is a, a jack conte he made the patreon the ceo for patreon cool guy he yeah. like has like a scary packet scary pocket the thing and he's like main dude over there and he said just work to publish if you 85 percent uh satisfy you just put it out yeah because you're never gonna be like 100 sure right and you're gonna be working on that snare sound for like two weeks yeah. and nobody even noticed that right yeah. and you're working on like your ep for like a year and you try to polish it and it just like nobody kind of and then will. it just kind of flops yeah but yeah. for that time you can put way more music yeah and he said a lot of songwriters they like write like thousands of the songs and then then just uh toss it like maybe so every 10 songs he wrote just one good right and he just like just write and post it right just write songs yep yep and because i because i notice myself i have that issue with you know like not putting out music and you're just like oh it's not good enough i need to probably finish it but it's not you know like in music it's you never feel it's finished right it's like you know like in a soccer game it's a whistle you're like okay that's the end game you you've box knockout you're like okay once win one lost you feel the end of something yeah well you finish the road song it's you don't have that feeling like oh it's done cool i'm I just no it's just like ah should i change it or you don't have that feeling yeah kind of weird you know yeah it is so yeah we should put put music out is that yeah you know that's what i wish i would have done i really wish over the last five years i would have because then people could have had the opportunity to to be like oh my god this song i love it so much you know like it did you know but because of that like it was like they could only see the songs when i was around you know or when i was playing at a, and then like not everybody's going to be able to come out and play and pay perfect attention to your song and then be able to you know like they gotta be able to listen to it you know if we're not putting out music as musicians what the fuck are we doing <laughs> man and yeah for me yeah i have a two more question for you all right um they kind of kind of blitz question but not blitz so you can yeah. answer like as wide as you can uh first if you have a chance to hang out with someone from whole history who it would be from all of history yeah any person who lived or lived right now or lived before just one person and why meriwether lewis and why mm, because to be the messenger of 
death for so many natives. No, that's such a dark view of it. But like just the the whole exploration and and being assigned to explore a new part of the country for for our new country. It just seems really interesting. The whole exploration thing is always always kind of piqued piqued my interest a lot, you know, and like going out and just like I remember the first time I climbed Badger, you know, I climbed up Badger and I like went over the top and I was like, I can only imagine like the first people to climb this shit, what it looked like, you know? So just like that, that venturing off into the unknown and, and, and getting to know that I think would be pretty cool, you know? Awesome. Uh, and the last one, it's kind of weird one, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Why do you play music? Why do I play music? Because I'm called to it. Um, I love it. You know, music for me has always been something that helps me when I'm hurting, you know, helps me understand human humanity a little bit better, helps me uh, paint a picture of life. And, and that's what I would like to be able to help other people. I would like you know, to be on the other end of that situation, right? Where it's like my music is helping somebody who's hurting, you know, because that's where I write it from mostly is a perspective of hurt, you know? So it's like that kind of thing. Not that that I th that's not the only thing that music is for or whatever, but that's, that's really, you know, the essence of why I play music is because I think that I have words that people should hear, you know? That's a good answer. And yeah, thank you so much, Randy, to find a time yeah, for this podcast. Uh, see you guys soon. Bye.